0: As we get started this morning, um, I always like to share a story with all of you, and so this one is from last winter. Last winter, I did something that I have never done before, and as as some of you know, I'm not a big-time hunter, however, I do like to try. Maybe some of you out there are like that, and I'd gotten this new shotgun um, for, for Christmas, and so... Of course, I wanted to try it out, and so I, I jumped at an opportunity to go rabbit hunting. Something I'd never done before. So, um, I was able to go with Pastor Mark, Brett, and the Vogies, and <clears throat> with their beagle, the Vogies beagle named Nikki. Okay? And apparently, as I was to find out, this beagle named Nikki is incredibly important to the rabbit hunt. Okay? <laughs> Remember, I had never been before. so. These guys had done a lot of rabbit hunting, and so I knew there would be a big learning curve for me, and sure enough, I was right. It's a huge learning curve. And when we got out that morning, it was about zero degrees, so I'm like, okay, this is miserable. <laughs> Why are we out here? Um, but I, I, I was given all the instructions on how the hunt would work and how intense it would be when we got on the trail of a rabbit and 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 all the lingo that would be used to instruct me on where I was going to go during this time. And and so, we were out on this farm. There was there was snow on the ground. Of course, it was freezing cold. And John Vogie would would lead the dog Nicky around um, to rabbit tracks, maybe that we saw in the snow, or, or different brush piles or junk piles um, that were around anywhere really that a rabbit could hide. And and he would say, "Nicky, rabbit," or "Nicky, come." And he would you know get the dog where, get Nicky where they where he needed to be and and nikki knew that this meant to come and pick up a rabbit scent and so when when nikki picked up the scent he would let out the classic beagle bark that that i can't do very well but (laughs) pastor mark does so well (laughs) has he told you this story (laughs) something like that that good they're all cheering me on in the front like do it do it <laughs> so when you heard that sound everyone would follow nicky on the trail that that he was following and and usually we would end up at some brush pile where the rabbit was hiding and a few of us would surround the pile while well, pastor mark and john started jumping into the pile <laughs> to try to scare the rabbit out okay and so i i remember one of these times it was a junk pile and and um Pastor Mark and John must have worked on that junk pile, um, the both of them for forty-five minutes. You know, almost an hour, just ripping that thing apart, trying to trying to give Nikki an avenue to get in and 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 scare this this rabbit. And so they're pulling apart old couches and sheets of metal, and and it was of course it was ungodly cold out there, and so everything was frozen together, and and it was uh, it was pretty tough to do. So they're stomping and pulling and 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 all the while john is saying come on nikki nikki rabbit and and this dog was really really pretty incredible because because nikki um, i think was made for this first of all it was it was cold but nikki didn't seem to mind and and nikki got all excited when he picked up a rabbit scent and so i don't know how that all works but nikki was trained and bred and you know spent years rabbit hunting and <clears throat> so After a while of working on this pile, Nicky finally scared the rabbit out. I found out later that everyone was instructed not to shoot so that Pastor Paul could possibly get his first rabbit. Or to laugh at me. One of the two, I'm not sure. But, sure enough, the rabbit comes shooting out I put up my gun, and, and so I, I I I bring my gun up, and I get a beat on it, and I pull the trigger, and click. I'm like, oh no! And so by this time, of course, this is an intense moment. You know, Mark's jumping up and down, saying, shoot, shoot! He doesn't know why I'm not shooting. So I I, I get another beat on it, and and I pull the trigger, and click. And so, of course, everybody's blowing up by now. And now there goes Nikki chasing after the rabbit. And so now this thing just goes crazy because what happens now is we get, you know, John begins yelling, "Nikki, rabbit, come on, Nick!" You know, and he's, Nikki's chasing. Everybody starts running. We get into full sprints to try to get into position to cut off this rabbit. And I started running to my appointed position after two clicks. I started running to my appointed position thinking, how am I going to explain how I – didn't even get a shot off at this rabbit that was like 15 yards in front of me, and but I'm I'm running and and to get into position and I want you to keep in mind that I grew up in a little bit more urban setting. <laughs> okay, so what happens next um, was actually was actually pretty embarrassing. But what happened is I I never run in a plowed farm field. <laughs> That's that that's hard. It was it it was actually really difficult. Um so <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I fell. I'm I'm tripping over everything. Um, you know, everything's frozen, I'm rolling ankles. I mean, it's just I must have look like a mess, you know. And but I'm 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 trying to get to my appointed position here and I'm doing high knees and I'm you know and I I eventually approached my spot and of course Right when I'm about to get there, you know, I I've I'd, I'd navigated the farm field, but there was ice in this one section, and so I put my foot down after one of my high knees, and um, I stomped right through that ice and just bit it hard, and, and I fell, and and um, I, I, there's no video, yeah. but. I eventually approached my spot and, you know, I found this ice and I went down hard. And meanwhile, Nikki's going, oh, you know, going crazy. Everyone's sprinting and yelling instructions and running, you know, and I'm I'm the city guy trying to navigate a farm field. And and my last fall was pretty intense and I got up with a hard limp. So now I'm, you know, I'm doing one of these, trying to hurry up to my spot. And, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't give up, though. I mean, I was already the the guy who did do clicks on his gun, and um, so I I got to my strategic position, and uh, I was a little late getting there, but I got there, and right when I got there to where I was supposed to be, I was told to go somewhere else, so I painfully limped to my next position, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting there, you know, and these guys are running and yelling, the dog's going, I mean, so... <clears throat> the dog was chasing the rabbit, everyone else was in position, and I finally heard a shot. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Somebody kill that rabbit. And and sure enough, it was Brett. So thank you, Brett. Thank you for saving my leg. I may still be in that farmer's field right now. So... That was all going on. I was excited to hear that shot. Brett came out with the rabbit, and I was like, man, that's a lot of work for one rabbit. (laughs) Like, who does this? And (laughs) after that, though, I got my gun squared away and everything, and um, just when we were walking back to our cars to leave, Nikki gets on another trail, and finally I got my first rabbit. So... After that embarrassing first round, and so um, there's there's a picture actually I have of, of our little rabbit hunt that day, and uh, it was a great experience. Um, my, leg, my leg did eventually heal, and those guys have something to razz me about, and after the first attempt of shooting that rabbit, they had worked so hard to get out of the pile, of course, they have every right to, um, but this morning, I don't want to necessarily talk to you about a hunting story. I don't want to just dwell on hunting, but but I do think we can learn something from Nikki, that incredible beagle, who made any of this hunting possible. Um, that whole day, John had constantly been calling to Nikki: "Nikki, come or Nikki, rabbit or come here, Nikki or come on." And 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 I'm not trying to compare any of us to a dog. I, I'm really not, but but if you're anything like me. I think we all need some constant reminders sometimes to stay on the right track. Isn't that right? Amen. We do. And so keep doing the right thing, just, just like Nikki did. And, and just like Nikki was a much more effective hunting dog with those reminders, I think we can be more effective and we can feel a stronger sense of being on the right track or, or doing the right thing if we choose to respond to those right reminders in our lives. And so the idea of Nikki come or in my case, it would be, Paul, come. <laughs> this, this morning, though, I want us to recognize this powerful reminder in the hymn that you heard our middle schoolers and high schoolers sing, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. You know, in our, our series of It's All About Him, we're using some incredible, powerful, incredibly powerful Christmas hymns to help us recognize some very significant Bible truths. I don't want to talk to you this morning about a hymn necessarily, but I do want to use this hymn to point us to the reminder that God gives us throughout Scripture to come and adore Him. And, and just like it was for Nikki, these reminders can be very helpful for us too. After all, we use reminders every day, don't we? How many of you have a calendar? Okay. How many of you live and die by your calendar? <laughs> That's right. So... We keep calendars. Every day I look at my calendar to remind me of what I have to do that day or into the future. Um, how many list makers are there in the room? <laughs> They're very proud, apparently. <laughs> my, my wife is one of them. I'm married to a list maker. And um, she's beginning to turn me into one too because they are very helpful. <laughs> Lists are great for reminding us what we have to do to ac- or accomplish. And Or how many times kids or adults right before you're going to walk out the door, maybe your mom or your spouse or somebody reminds you to pick something up from the store. In fact this of course happened to me just this week Um, with Kristen and I just talked, we had just talked about something I was supposed to do. I walk out the door and she said, aren't you going to take that? And like two seconds ago we had just talked about it. I'm like, yes (laughs) I'm going to take it (laughs) Do you think I was going to leave it? (laughs) Who does that? So, you know that's that. That's kind of picture into our life, but 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 this song, "Oh, Come All You Faithful," is exactly the same thing. It's like it's like John saying, "Nicky, come," or it's like checking your calendar to see what you have to do that day. And this morning, God wants to remind His faithful, you and I, to come to help us understand this reminder to come. Let's look at we're going to look at two stories that were part of the very first Christmas. We're going to use the story of the wise men and the shepherds to guide us down this path this morning. And although these are very familiar stories, I believe God wants to show us a few things that maybe we commonly can overlook in these stories. So we're going to start with the shepherds. You can grab your Bibles. And the shepherds actually are a very significant part of this song. Um, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2 and look at verses 18 or I'm sorry, verses 8 through 16. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. In, in the song, O Come All Ye Faithful, the verse that is really talking about this, the story of the shepherds goes like this. It says, sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation, sing in all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, glory in the highest, and then O come, let us adore him. This is describing what the shepherds experienced. And so let's take a look at this the the full story here in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 16. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their fro- flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. This stanza, this stanza in O Come All Ye Faithful, is a great picture for us of the exalted song of the angelic choir heard by the lowly shepherds. And I want you to remember this story. I'm going to put it in your back pocket. I want you to hold on to it. We're going to refer to it. I'm going to refer to it later on. But keeping... Keeping the story of the shepherds in mind, let's look at the second story that we're going to use this morning, which is in Matthew chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Matthew chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And we're going to take a look at this famous Christmas story about the wise men. And so, what had happened up, up into verse 8, Matthew 2, to get up to verse 8, the wise men had followed the star from the east. And they had followed it to Judea, and they the king of that area was King Herod, and so they went into King Herod, and they're having this conversation with King Herod, and we pick it up in verse number eight. It says He said to he sent them to Bethlehem, this is Herod, who sent the wise men to Bethlehem, and says, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him, which we all know is not true. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we have the story of the shepherds, and we have the story of the wise men. And... On the surface, <clears throat> these two stories have a ton of differences. To, to begin with, we can list a few of them. To begin with, angels appear to the shepherds, but the wise men don't see any angels. They just follow a star. And also these two events most likely happened about two years apart. The shepherds and the wise men were never at the manger together at the same time. The, the shepherds were not very well respected in their culture, They were not held in high regard, where the wise men were highly regarded as evidenced by their visit to King Herod. The shepherds didn't bring anything to Jesus. They didn't bring any gifts. While the wise men brought extravagant gifts. And we could go on, there's a countless number of differences here. Although all these differences are true, these two stories did have a few things in common, though. One thing they did have in common is that they both came They both came. They both responded to the invitation or reminder to come and adore him. The shepherds and the wise men came and worshipped the king of angels. This hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, is telling us to do the exact same thing. It's a reminder to come, just as the shepherds and the wise men did. I believe God wants us to understand the significance of this one common thread and remind us this Christmas and all year round to come and adore him, just like you did this morning. So why did these shepherds and wise men come and adore him? Why did God inspire John Wade, who is the author of O Come All Ye Faithful, in 1743 to write this song as a reminder to us to come and adore him? Did you ever think about that? The reason for coming and adoring the Christ child is just as incredible today as it was back then. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes on this morning. Let's look at the first reason to come and adore him. This, this commonality of these two stories is found right in the beginning of each story. Both the story of the shepherds and the story of the wise men begin in very similar ways. And it's simply this. Both of these stories begin with a, a reminder of a fully natural and fully supernatural event. Let's explore why the beginning of their story is extremely important to us today. It began with a fully natural and fully supernatural event. So let's start with the shepherds. The shepherds, their story begins like this they see an angel right then they heard, then the angel talks to him then followed by that, they hear an entire choir of angels sing. That's an incredibly supernatural event right? I would say so. And in the story of the wise men, however, <clears throat> the wise men followed a moving star in the sky that led them hundreds or even thousands of miles from where to where Jesus was. These events were incredibly divine. They were supernatural and both of these supernatural events were simply done to say one thing, come and adore him Christ the Lord. This makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's a it's a very supernatural thing because after all this story of Jesus coming to earth, is the story of the perfect union between the natural and the supernatural the the coming together of of humanity and the divine the physical and the spiritual and at this point we we'll all agree and say yeah man that's that's good that's it and yet maybe we don't explore it as very much further than that This is really the ultimate supernatural event that we're going to spend a few minutes on today. Because it wasn't just the coming together of of half natural and half supernatural to make a whole. No, it was much greater than this. Jesus coming to earth as fully God and fully man is really quite spectacular. Think about how impossible this is. The idea of being fully human and fully divine goes against or defies many laws of math, science, and history. So let's start with math. I thought this was interesting. This fully natural, fully supernatural event actually defies the laws of mathematics that says two halves come together to make one whole, right? That 50% plus 50% equals 100%. You can't mathematically have one whole greater than 100%. It's mathematically impossible. And as I was putting this together, I got on the phone with my brother-in-law, is getting his doctorate in mathematics at UWM. So I wanted to run this past him, see what he thought. And so uh, it was actually a really interesting conversation that pushed my mental math limitations quite a bit. Um, But we concluded in this conversation that this instance of fully God and fully man, and and this is his analogy, I thought it was interesting, but he's a math guy, so he comes up with interesting things. But my brother-in-law said this, you know, he he said, I guess it's kind of like trying to glue a box to a cloud. And we said, well, this is impossible because these are two things that could never be combined except through a divine intervention because you can't attach a solid to a gas because a gas doesn't have form. And so I thought, you know what, that's a really good analogy. Maybe in the context of not hearing our conversation, it may seem a little goofy. (laughs) But if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. This is impossible this could not be mathematically explained by someone finishing their doctorate in math it was divine it was supernatural 100% or 200% <laughs> but it doesn't end there jesus coming to earth as fully god and fully man also defies the laws of science and this is very evident throughout scripture in luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 Um, it says this, it describes this situation, that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, um, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Verse 34. Mary knew that this was scientifically impossible. Very simply, the virgin birth defied science, didn't it? If you have any further questions about virgin birth defying science, you should talk to your parents. Um, They can have any more further discussion you need to have about that. But Jesus coming to earth as fully God and fully man defies math, it defies science, but it also defies history. Of our accepted, recorded history, Jesus is the only one who has claimed to come as 100% God and 100% man. Many great men and women have come and gone, and many people have claimed to be a god. But Jesus is historically accepted as the only one with eyewitnesses and written accounts about being fully God and fully man. In fact, the writer of O Come All Ye Faithful had written a second stanza that is usually omitted in most hymnals, but is very revealing. It reminds us that the Christ child is the very God himself. It goes like this. It goes, God of God and light of light begotten, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. Very God begotten, not created, O come, let us adore him. Once again, exalting his divinity, 100% divine, but 100% human. Jesus coming to earth as fully God and fully man ought not to be overlooked or minimized because the supernatural reminds, r- reminders that were given to the shepherds and the wise men of O come, let us adore him are still given to us today. Our series that we just finished called Experiencing God showed us that God is always at work around us, right? God pursues a love relationship with us that is real and personal, and since he is fully God and fully man, he can be at work in our lives in very natural and very supernatural ways. God looks at us very much like he did at those seemingly privileged shepherds and wise men. He may not be sending choirs of angels or a star to follow every night, but he is still trying to get our attention and say to us, come and adore him, my son, Jesus. This Christ child who is fully God and fully man is constantly trying to reveal himself to us in both natural and supernatural ways, just like he did back then. And since he is fully God and fully man, doing the impossible by defying math, science, and history, here's the incredible thing. You can trust him you can trust Him with the impossible situations in your life too. The God of the natural and the supernatural. The impossible family situation that some of you are going to walk into this Christmas in just a few days, He can do the impossible. Any situation where there seems to be no chance of getting better, God is able. Because He came to this earth and did the impossible means that you can put your full faith and trust and hope in Him for your impossible situation. He is simply reminding us to come and adore Him. The God of the universe experienced every human aspect, yet still remained completely God. This should be a breath of fresh air to us, an encouragement to us to not lose hope that God is naturally and supernaturally able to intervene in the most difficult of situations. Isn't that encouraging? Because there seem to be a lot of difficult situations during the holidays, don't there? We all run into him, no matter how healthy or what kind of background our families have. There always seems to be very difficult situations. He wants us to come and adore him, considering the supernatural event of Jesus coming as fully God and fully man. Both the wise men and the shepherds responded to God's supernatural reminder by physically showing up, by coming. They got up and followed a star, in the wise men's case, or... They listened to what the angels said and went and adored the king of angels. And I've, I've often wondered something, um, even, to, even talking with a few people about it. And there's no, there's no way of ever knowing. The Bible doesn't give us any indication of this. This is just Paul's own, own musings. But I've often wondered if God revealed himself and the birth of his son to anyone else. Did you ever think about that? I've, uh, you know, were, were there others? So I've decided to name this person who might, might have been, you know, the recipient of, of receiving something from God, like Jeboniah the blacksmith or something like that, who was out pounding on metal and, I don't know, maybe an angel showed up or something super, supernatural happened to him. But I wonder if there were people, more people that God tried to reveal himself to that just never responded. And God sent an angel or some other disruption that maybe they disregarded, maybe they ignored, maybe they never really got over the fear of the of the whole experience to ever respond or show up <clears throat> and when I was looking at this though and thinking about it, i thought how how disappointing to miss an opportunity to respond to what God was doing, right to be a part of, and and maybe they didn't even, I doubt they fully understood the significance of the story that they were going to be involved in, that people thousands of years later were going to be reading about them in the Bible as these incredible people who responded and worshipped the king. They They didn't know that. They just simply responded. And so in my heart I thought, man, I don't ever want to miss one of those opportunities. And a lot of times, though, those opportunities can be difficult. They call for, like Pastor Mark referred to earlier, tough decisions, right choices. Life is all about choices. And so, you look at the wise men, they left everything. I mean, their family probably thought they were nuts. Like, where are you going? Well, it's got this star up here. And I'm just going to go ahead and follow that to wherever it goes. I mean, it just, it's kind of crazy. But they did it. They responded. And not all the times that, that God reveals himself to us do we have to respond in crazy, far-out ways. But the the point is that we need to respond. Don't be Jebaniah the blacksmith or whatever name you want to give him and and maybe not respond to what God is trying to reveal to you. But what we do know is that the shepherds and the wise men came and adored the Christ child. And so the shepherds and the wise men's story are similar in the beginning, like we just talked about, but they're also similar in their endings, too. Consider what each of them did when they came to adore Jesus. The, the wise men came and adored and gave gifts, according to Matthew two eleven and 12, while the shepherds came, adored the Christ child, and left to tell everyone they knew about what happened, in Luke two seventeen and 18. And at first glance, these responses actually seem very different. But, upon further review... We notice an incredible similarity in their responses. And and then the similarity is this their responses were were very natural but had divine significance. That they were very natural but had a divine significance. Their response to God's reminder to come and adore him began with obedience, right? They didn't ask for the incredible experience again. They didn't call, you know, a, a, a huge prayer meeting. They weren't too busy. They simply came, right? And I think we can learn a lot from the simplicity of their response. When God reminds his faithful to come and adore him, he simply wants us to come. He wants us to to obey, just like the shepherds and the wise men did. And when they came, look how different their responses were. The wise men brought incredible, valuable gifts, while the shepherds left, uh, left and told everyone they could about the incredible events. And what we should notice is how incredibly important each of these responses are. Both responses were very natural, but had divine significance. So let's look at the wise men. They brought extremely valuable gifts, the very best that they could give. There's a powerful lesson for us in that response. Let me ask you a question here. When we come to adore Him, coming to church or anywhere, when we come to adore Him, are we coming to get or are we coming to give? It's a very thought-provoking question. Each week, God asks us to come and adore him at this church body at Portview. And so my question to you that only you can answer is, are you coming to get or are you coming to give? You know, a a common misconception that um, is out there is that a few are called to come and give while the rest come to receive from those who are giving. I don't think that's how God intended it at all. And that wasn't the response of the wise men they actually brought their best when they came. And I think that that's very important for us to recognize. For us, that that means our time to serve the body of Christ, or that means a tithe, or our attention, even just simply our attention, to see where God is at work on a Sunday morning and join Him in what He is doing. You know, Kristen and I have only been in ministry not quite five years even. Um, Before that, I was a school teacher. My wife was a social worker. We were lay people in a, in a local body of Christ, like like all of you are. And God called us to go into full-time ministry, and so we left that and, and came to Portview. And so, but we have tried very hard to live by this principle. Kristen and I did this for years before we were in full-time ministry. Every Sunday, we would look around the sanctuary in our, at the church we were at and and we would notice any new people in the congregation and simply introduce ourselves and try to make a connection with them. Um, if, if you know me, I, I love talking to people. I could, I could Talking to strangers isn't a big deal for me. It stretches Kristen a little bit. Um, but I think being married to me has stretched Kristen quite a bit. Um, but... Every Sunday, we would look around and notice new people in the congregation and simply introduce ourselves and try to make a connection. A lot of times, this interaction um, was followed by an invite to join our small group. And God was able to use us in amazing ways just because we were willing to give our attention and our time to see where He was at work on a Sunday morning. You know? And so, even if you're not on a schedule, or even if, you know, say, well, I, I don't know what official capacity I may have one thing that we all can do no matter what is give our attention to what God is doing on a Sunday morning. In fact, Kristen and I have found, found this to work very well, that we have we have received much more when we give or serve. And just like the wise men, when we come to adore the Christ child, we should come to give, not to get, right? What about the shepherds? Their response was extremely different these guys didn't even bring anything. Did you ever think about that? They came to worship Jesus and didn't bring a thing. They didn't bring anything. They came ill-prepared, seemingly, right? Their response, though, was just as significant. I want you to get this. The shepherds did something we don't see the wise men doing, too. The wise men gave their gifts and went right back home. The shepherds, though, spent their time telling everyone they knew about the incredible experience they just had. This reminds us of another hymn. Actually, we sang it this morning. Go tell it on the mountain, right? It's exactly what the shepherds did. Isn't this extremely important as well? They may not have brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but what they did, it was a very, had had a lot of divine significance. In fact, Romans 10 14 through 15 shows us just how important the shepherds' actions were. Verse 14 says this it says, How then? Can they come or can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. All of us, just like the shepherds, are called to go and share the gospel. We are God's only plan to change the world with the spreading of his gospel message. God help all of us, to be those who bring good news. Christmas this year, bring good news. Bring good news to your Christmas celebrations. As New Testament believers, we're not able to choose one response or the other. The wise men bringing gifts or the shepherds going and telling everybody. We are called to give our time, our tithe and our attention. And we are called to go and tell, to invest and invite as we've, worded it at Portview, where you simply, those relationships that you're already investing in, you simply invite them to church on a Sunday morning, take them out for lunch afterwards. If you're early risers, go out to breakfast and then come here. Their responses, both the wise men and the shepherds, were very natural but had divine significance. And just like the shepherds or wise men, our responses may seem very natural. But don't underestimate the divine significance of those responses. Did you ever do something that you thought was very insignificant, only to find out later that that person thought it was the most incredible thing in the world? And you're kind of smiling. You're like, "Really? I didn't even do anything, or I didn't even try. I didn't know I was being that nice, you know, or I don't think I even really said that." But you know, it's it's those things. God uses to impact someone or something. God uses these seemingly natural responses to accomplish His very divine will in the hearts of people and to further His kingdom on the earth. Isn't that cool? Even despite us, He uses us. (laughs) Because I mess up a lot. But I still believe God can use me somehow. And so, so be encouraged this morning. Smile. God's going to use you. And he probably already has. So although their stories of the wise men and the shepherds are very different, and although they didn't even end up responding the same, I think we can conclude that God gave the invitation, the reminder to come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come, let us adore him. Born the king of angels. God also shows us that he is the God of the impossible today, like he was on that very first Christmas even defying the very natural laws and facts of math, science, and history in our lives today. And these two stories combine to demonstrate incredibly the incredible appropriate responses to come and adore the King of Angels. That when we respond to the invitation to come, we arrive at church each week or anywhere ready to give our best, and we leave ready to tell the world about what he has done. That's what he's called us to do and that's what the christmas story is trying to help us understand. And this morning, I think it would be very appropriate for us to conclude our time together as they did in Luke chapter 2 verse 20. The scripture shows us how the shepherds left after coming and adoring the Christ child. Luke chapter 2 verse 20 simply says this. It says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And I think it would be appropriate for us to conclude this morning by singing this powerful hymn again together, O Come All Ye Faithful. And after we sing, I'll simply conclude in prayer. So would you please stand and join myself and more importantly, Pastor Mitch, in singing, O Come All Ye Faithful.